Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What is up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Thursday, March the 7th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we are talking about the big uglies, the offensive linemen up front. My sacks allowed charting pieces up on LockedOnDolphins.com right now, so we'll discuss that. And next, we'll dive into the post-combine plan for the offseason and unveil my first official mock draft with DraftTech.com. But first, I have to remind you guys, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. You guys know those reviews help the podcast grow, get bigger, get out to more Dolphins, and it really, really helps us out here, so we appreciate that tremendously. Give me a follow on Twitter, at WingfieldNFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFit. And of course, the aforementioned LockedOnDolphins.com, we have pieces being written every single day, some by yours truly, others by the rest of the staff at LockedOnDolphins.com. And of course, last but not least, check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL Draft podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And if you guys haven't noticed yet, I've been trying to ramp up the coverage here a little bit lately. We're getting closer to the second season of the NFL. You basically have obviously September through January and then the Super Bowl in February, a little bit of a lull there in February and then March and April, it really picks back up again before the league disappears off the face of the earth through May, from May through July. So I'm going to try to get you guys as many podcasts, as many columns as I possibly can here throughout the course of the next couple of months and get you guys ready to go for the offseason. I know that that's what a lot of fans tune into sports media coverage for us for the moves in the offseason, the rumors, players changing teams, and of course the reports on the Dolphins' new players, and that's kind of my main focus. I'll be going into more charting projects throughout the course of the offseason. I'm going to put a delay on the Ryan Tannehill one, so the schedule for me tentatively going forward is going to be, I'm going to, I got the offensive line chart up right now on LockedOnDolphins.com. I have something in the work for Rashad Jones, going to get to work on that this week as well, and then it's going to be full bore on free agents coming into Miami, the draft and the prospects. I got to really ramp that up. I'm kind of behind on the draft, so there'll be a pause on the charting stuff. Once the summer comes back around, I'm going to really ramp up the Ryan Tannehill stuff, so that's kind of my tentative chart for you guys, and today's episode is going to be a little bit shorter than normal, but let's go ahead to get into it here on First Down on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And it is first down on Locked On Dolphins podcast. And if you guys follow me on Twitter at Winkfield NFL, you guys see a lot of the stuff I talk about on the show already. But we're going to go ahead and dive into some more detail and give you guys an audio version of what those tweets mean and kind of give you some more thought behind what I mean in those tweets. Let's go ahead and dive right into the first one, talking about my potential offseason plan here for the Miami Dolphins. And it kind of comes based on some of the things I've heard in terms of rumors about who the Dolphins are interested in signing or what they positions they are attacking in free agency or the draft. And I know there's lots of smoke around the quarterback that trade up for Baker Mayfield or whether it's Josh Rosen. I've heard both so far. It just seems like the Dolphins have really let out a lot of the smoke in terms of that rumor. And so I really don't know what to think. I My initial reaction is that the Dolphins wouldn't let that much information get out because the job is to not let that information get out of your front office and the people around there. So I doubt it, but we'll see. I guess it's possible they could move on from Ryan Tannehill still. We'll see what happens. It's going to be a fun couple of weeks, a couple of months here coming up. But my potential offseason plan at this moment on March the 7th, a Wednesday, one week away from the new league year and free agency beginning is this. 
in the free agency, I think the Dolphins will attack left guard with a veteran player, a guy that they can put between Mike Pouncey or whoever the center is going into next season, as well as Laramie Tunzel, who struggled at left tackle last season. I think they want to go for a veteran there, and there's plenty of names to pick off the scrap heap there. Whether you have Zach Fulton from Kansas City, we've talked about him. The guy that was recently reported, Travis Swanson from the Detroit Lions. You have the report about Jack Muhort from the Indianapolis Colts a while back. You've got guys like Josh Klein coming over from the Titans. There's Josh Sitton, who worked with offensive coordinator Dow Loggins over in Chicago. So I think the Dolphins are going to address the need there because the market will dictate that they will be able to afford a guy there and not spend a lot of money, which is a principle for the Dolphins on the offensive line. We'll talk about that later in the show. And then also a free agent quarterback. I don't see the Dolphins finding the guy to fill the role that they want at quarterback in this draft. Obviously, the first round guy would be a starter and the guy you want to go forward with. But if you're looking to groom a guy behind Ryan Tannehill or a backup to ensure Ryan Tannehill, I should say, would be the more appropriate theme. And a fourth, third round rookie, is that going to be a guy you want to entrust to that backup role to be one snap away from playing? I don't think so. I think that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the target. I think he's a local Miami kid. I think he can get a one-year deal for five or six million, maybe a little less than that, four to five, six million. Come over to the Dolphins, get healthy, get himself acclimated under Adam Gase, have a good preseason, hopefully, in terms of his production, and then just play back up behind Ryan Tannehill in case of emergency he can come in the game, but kind of rebuild his credibility and his talent level at the NFL level. So that's kind of what I think they'll do. If not Teddy Bridgewater, maybe it'll be a Josh McCown, someone that can come in and help them win games in the interim with that win now mentality I talked about on yesterday's podcast. And then of course, my running back, I still think it's going to be CJ Anderson. They talked about Jordan Howard and that rumor from the weekend, I believe it was on Saturday, talking about Jordan Howard for Jarvis Landry and some draft picks being exchanged there as well. But I think it'll be CJ Anderson. So I'm going to go with Josh Klein, the left guard. The quarterback will be Teddy Bridgewater. Running back will be CJ Anderson. And that'll be the bulk of your Dolphins free agency going into the draft. And then from that point, they're going to look at this. They really want to improve this defense at pick 11. They're going to have to find someone that can come in and play immediately, play close to 100% of the snaps and help in the sub packages and help in that mismatch department that I have been talking about all off season so far. So what I'm thinking is that I don't think Derwin James makes it to us anymore before the combine. I thought he would. I thought he would blow the combine up the way he did. You watch him on tape. That's what he looks like. That's the player that he is. But he absolutely destroys Indianapolis, and now he probably goes up off the draft board before the Dolphins can take can take him. And then also Minka Fitzpatrick is going to be gone as well. So those are the two guys I want the most. So I'm going to fall backwards. Obviously, you have the I think the four quarterbacks still go top ten. I think you have the two safeties there, Saquon Barkley, Quentin Nelson. So you're looking at one of the linebackers will fall to you. Tremaine Edmonds from Virginia Tech, Rashawn Evans from Alabama, and Roquan Smith from Georgia. I like all three of them. I think they're all three very good players. I think Tremaine Edmonds has the highest upside. I think Roquan Smith is the best tackler. And I think that Rashawn Evans is the most polished player, the best at beating blocks, the best blitzer. But I'm going to go with Tremaine Edmonds as my top pick just because of the upside. And I've been talking about that throughout the course of the offseason. It's production versus projection. He he was productive at Virginia Tech, no doubt, but I think you look at a 19-year-old kid that's going to be 20 by the time the season starts, and you project him to be a potential pro bowl, all-pro type of little linebacker slash outside linebacker, guy that can play every position at linebacker, play stay on the field in the nickel defense, and cover for you in pass coverage, blitz, defend the run, everything. So that's kind of what I'm hoping for there. The huge upside, a guy that can stay on the field every play as a rookie. And then you approach the rest of the draft this way. Picks two through four, or rounds two through four, I should say. The Dolphins have a pick in each of those rounds. Could add one if Jarvis Landry is traded here in the coming days. 
but they spend those picks on a tight end, a free safety, and an interior offensive lineman. Now, the tight end class is packed. You could probably get a good guy at either two or three, depending on what you're looking for in terms of a guy that stays in line and can block or be detached out wide and play more of a basketball rebounding role like a Mike Gasecki. Mark Andrews, we talked about him the other day. We'll talk about him more as my Draft Tech mock draft is up right now on drafttech.com as well as lockedondolphins.com. And then you go further on in the class, and I think that there's a bunch, of, just a glut of free safeties that can really range, play sideline to sideline, track the ball like a center fielder, and help you play in the, in the nickel a little bit too. And there's a bunch of guys there that are like Jesse Bates from Wake Forest is one of them. I think that Tony Brown from Alabama, the guy built like a tree trunk, could be a potential fit there for the Dolphins at safety and move from corner. And then there's the guys the Dolphins have shown interest in. Ohio State's Damon Webb, he looks really fluid. Trayvon Henderson from Hawaii was a senior bowl uh, visit for the Miami Dolphins. And then you have guys like Kaiser White from West Virginia. So just plenty of guys back there that can come in and play that role, maybe be like a 50 to 60% snap ticker right away, and then eventually take over a full-time starting role for TJ McDonald or Rashad Jones, whoever goes first. One's a little bit older and McDonald's a little bit more not as secure in his position with the Miami Dolphins going forward. And then you have the interior offensive lineman. And we're going to talk about the offensive line on the last segment on this show here, but the interior offensive line has a lot of guys in that mid-round range that could possibly fit. We've talked a lot about Will Hernandez and Isaiah Wynn in those mid-rounds. I'm not sure who it'll be, but someone probably probably closer to the back end of that range from rounds two through four. I think the Dolphins don't really prioritize the position, and I think it'll be a later pick than we all expect early on. So, so that is kind of the plan. You go free agency at left guard, quarterback, and tailback. You go with one of the big linebackers at pick 11, and then you spend the picks in rounds two through four on a tight end, free safety, and interior offensive lineman in whichever order you want. We're going to talk about my mock draft up on drafttech.com right now, as well as lockedondolphins.com, at Leafle NFL, at LockedOnFins, at the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And it is officially mock draft season with the combine coming to an end. These guys will have their pro days to work out at, and we still have free agency to get to. And I'm normally anti-mock draft, but I did just get a job at drafttech.com as a Dolphins draft insider and slash analyst. So I'm going to have to go ahead and fulfill my mock draft duties in doing so. And, you know, the closer I am to the team, the easier it is to do. So I think it's it's adequate that I am the person that goes ahead and, and fills out those draft needs and goes ahead and fills out the position needs for the Dolphins moving forward into April. And my draft, so the way it works is you place a priority or a number on the priority in terms of what position the Dolphins need or have to take in that given draft class. And so I put some different numbers than what they originally had. Obviously, some of you guys were expressing disinterest in the fact that they had Mike McGlinchey so high on the Dolphins' need list. I took him off for you guys, so they will not be drafting him in any draft tech mock drafts coming up. But the other thing you do is that you will pick out 20 certain names and pick which round you think the Dolphins would take them in in that given draft. So I went ahead and filled out my 20 names. I filled out the draft needs list, and this is what I came back with. So it's a, it's a computer simulation, so they run everything through the program that you put in and you get the players back. And I had some mistakes that I would love to go back and correct. So my first pick, I talked about in my plan, linebacker Tremaine Edmonds out of Virginia, the linebacker that can stay on the field for almost every single play, hopefully, and give you a matchup problem in terms of dealing with big tight ends and maybe faster running backs. My second pick, I love my first two picks, the linebacker Edmonds, and then the second pick, tight end Mark Andrews from Oklahoma. 
He runs a 4.58 40-yard dash at the combine and proves he has a little more speed than originally I had thought. He is great at catching the ball in traffic, and he can offer a little bit as a blocker as well. And then this is where things got off the rails for me. I put in this guy's name before I watched the combine workouts, and he got absolutely torched. But cornerback Tavares McFadden from Florida State, he has that length. The Dolphins like a cornerback, but he ran so slow and was so stiff in the drills. I don't think he's going to be drafted there or you know, maybe even on day two at best for the, for the entire league. So I didn't like him there, especially with Anthony Miller, DJ Chark, and Kaiser White all on the board. That really upset me there. And then the fourth pick was even worse for me. Quarterback Chase Litton from Marshall. I don't know anything about him, so I would never pick him on my own, but that's how it worked out as I put quarterback as a mid-round need for the Miami Dolphins. And Jesse Bates, my safety from Wake Forest, tight end Hayden Hurst, and linebacker Shaquem Griffin were all there. So I really hated that one too. My fifth pick was wide receiver Jamon Moore from Missouri. He is basically a project, a, a tall, lean build, a guy that could replace Devontae Parker if Parker leaves in two years. So that was my thought there. And then the seventh round pick was running back Justin Crawford out of West Virginia. And I had another seventh round pick as well, offensive guard Cole Madison from Washington State University. But I didn't really know much about either of those guys. Those were just kind of rounded out the depth of the draft and the depth of the roster. So that's up on LockedOnDolphins.com. I'll be updating those on LockedOnDolphins.com so you guys don't have to go back and forth between sites. And I'll be linking the DraftTech.com links on my page there as well. So you guys can keep up with my mock drafts throughout the course of the next couple of months leading up to the draft. And we're going to get to the offensive line charting here on the last segment of the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. So we are talking offensive linemen, the big uglies from the Locked On Dolphins podcast for the Miami Dolphins, allowed 33 sacks in 2017. And I did a decent amount of work on this. It was another one of those charting projects. And I really like doing that. It's basically data collection with film study and then writing about it and kind of telling you the story of what I see from that particular group or player. And in this group, I think I kind of uncovered the theme behind Adam Gaze's philosophy for why the Dolphins don't want to spend big on offensive linemen, whether it's the big free agent contracts or via the draft. And I talked about it a little bit in the piece, actually a lot of bit in the piece. And the ball comes out so quickly in this offense that there's just not a lot of need for guards to be doing a whole lot in terms of the pass protection game. And that's what the Dolphins want. They want pass protectors that can come in and keep the quarterback clean, get the ball out of his hands quickly, and just do a good job in one-on-one protection as well as understanding some different types of variations of blitz and stunts and twists and that type of thing because the Dolphins had kind of struggled with that in 2016. It got a little bit better in 2017. But on this chart here, you know, Larry Tunzel really had a bad year. He was not as good in pass protection as I thought he was going to be and as I thought he would be as a pro with those smooth feet, that big body left tackle was supposed to be the top player taken before all the quarterback trades happened in that draft in 2016. But the Dolphins get him at pick number 13 there with his mega fall on draft night. But he has a rough go of it. Jesse Davis had a pretty rough go of it early on until he got over to right guard in pass protection. He kind of was beaten on different a variety of moves, whether it was a grab or a rip. And I talked about all these different pass rush moves and they're there in there. The amount of time it took for the quarterback to get from the time he snapped the ball to the time he was hit on the sack. I talked about different pass rush moves that beat the guys. I talked about what the down distance was, whether or not the Dolphins got a first down on that drive. And the Dolphins had some serious drive killers when they got sacks. You guys can read the stats in the post there. But just kind of talking about the offensive line in general, man, it's, it's all about pass protection on this offense. I just don't see that's going to change. And watching this and seeing Mike Pouncey only allow one sack, that was kind of questionable that it was even his fault or he kind of blew an assignment. 
And so I don't really know, you know, it's hard to tell as an observer whose assignment was what on the offensive line, but just watching that and kind of what Mike Pouncey excels at, he has a very good pass blocking efficiency number from profootballfocus.com. He was, I think, fifth of all centers this year in terms of getting guys blocked up and not allowing pressures on the quarterback. So, you know, I can see a scenario where a scenario where he comes back because that's obviously what the team is talking about in terms of his evaluation. But at the same time, he's a big reason they can't run the ball up the interior and the reason the Dolphins are number one in the NFL and the running backs getting contacted in the backfield. So that's a bit of a problem, but you can kind of see where they're going from that standpoint. And then at right tackle, Jawan James kind of figures to be the same mold. He's more of a pass protection type of guy. You know, he's a, a left tackle substitute so to speak a guy that can kind of have those smooth feet and get out and set that edge and, and get into his set quickly and and deal with those pass pressures he you know he had a great game one against Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram and it kind of carried out throughout the course of the season obviously he gets injured but he was doing fantastic both in the pass and running game early on in the season but check out that piece on LockedOnDolphins.com it is up right now and with that, let's go ahead and get out of here for tonight's podcast. I am burning the midnight oil here. It is late on the West Coast, about 11 p.m. As I record this, I spent a lot of time on the offensive line charting projects, so the wife-to-be is probably going to kill me at some point tomorrow, but nonetheless, we move on. That's going to do it for tonight's podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. And check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. And check out LockedOnDolphins.com. And, of course, at NFL on Twitter, as well as their Facebook page. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.